I need everybody to stand, if you would. We're going to change things up a little bit as far as who's at your tables this morning. Um, what I want need, need us to do this morning is I need ladies-only tables and men-only tables. All right? So we just want ladies at, one, at the tables and then only men-only. So as you move, here's, as you kind of move and, and form those tables, here's what I need you to be thinking about. I want you to be thinking about this, this question. What would you say are the top five traits of an ideal husband? The top five traits of an ideal husband. All right, so go ahead and move, form your tables, ladies-only tables, men-only tables. We'll jump in this morning. All right, so what you're doing, you're discussing, what would you say are the top five, ideal, or top five traits of an ideal husband? That's what you're discussing at your tables. Go for it. All right, help us out here. Now, what we're going to do is we'll just go around to each table. Just give me one. Now, fellas, here's what I would encourage you to do. You need to write down whatever the ladies' tables tell you, all right? So whatever they're telling you, that's what you need to be writing down. We need to be writing down. So let's just go around quickly. Just give me one, one of the ideal traits of a, one of the traits of an ideal husband that you all discussed. Let's start over here. We'll just go around. Just give me one. You don't have to explain it. Just tell me what it is. Sacrificial. Let's go here. If you have something different, that's what I'm looking for. What's that? Humble. Spiritual leader. Back here. Hard worker. Right here. Engaged and connected. The back table. Christian. Funny. All right. Okay, having his wife as priority. All right, excellent, excellent stuff. Obviously, we're continuing this morning this series, Holy Matrimony. And at this point in, this, in our study, we've kind of, hopefully in the previous two weeks that we've been together in this series, we've come to understand that the problem in marriage is not the fault of marriage itself. The problems in marriage is a sin problem. It's the sin that two people bring into marriage. That's ultimately what creates the problems in marriage is sin. And so if sin is the primary problem, then the primary solution is a savior, is someone who can rescue us from this sin, someone who can free us from this sin, and someone that empowers us, gives us a presence within us to empower us to deny our sin deny our selfishness, and therefore love and forgive unconditionally. So if the problem is sin, then the solution is a Savior. And the Scripture tells us, Romans 1.16, that Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it, the gospel, is a, the power of God unto salvation. Salvation is victory, it's deliverance, it's freedom, obviously from sin. And so if the gospel is what frees us from sin, and sin is the problem in marriage, then it's the gospel that's the solution to the problems in marriage. It's the solution from our own selfishness. I can just tell you from experience, it's when I'm being selfish that things go south. All right? It's when I'm thinking of wanting my own needs and expecting Andrea to meet my own needs and that kind of thing when things start to go south in our marriage, when communication isn't great and I may be, you know, holding grudges or whatever it might be or expecting things to do things, expecting her to do things and um, that she shouldn't need to be doing, and I'm trying to find my approval and what she thinks of me. It's when I'm being selfish that problems in marriage usually occur. And so if sin is the problem, the gospel is the solution, then we understand that 
Jesus is that solution because Jesus is the gospel and what he's done for us on the cross and his resurrection is what frees us from this, from this slavery to sin. And so what's amazing is that not only is Jesus the solution to the problems in marriage because he frees us from our sin, but Jesus is also the one who created marriage. And we kind of, and I'll do a quick review here, and you see it on your page there, but we start with some foundational truths as it relates to marriage that Jesus teaches us in a conversation he had with some religious leaders, and we read about that in Matthew chapter 19. And over the last couple times together, Jesus taught us that a marriage functions best when it's understood that marriage originated from the Creator, not culture, when we're going to Jesus, when we're going to His Word to determine how marriage functions best. And that's a foundational truth that we need to understand when we come into marriage. He also taught us that marriage functions best when we understand it's the union between one man, one woman, male and female. And I don't want to elaborate on too much of that. At this point, you can listen to the messages from previous um, talks in this series if you'd like to learn more about what we talked about on that specific issue but when it's male and female, we kind of use the A plus B equals C kind of a, an um, equation to help us understand that the that marriage is to picture the gospel, how Jesus comes to a sinner, and through Jesus, he creates new life. So you have A coming to B, creating C, and that's what marriage is to picture. So it needs to be male and female creating new life physically pictures what Jesus does for the sinner spiritually. And that we also understood from Jesus' teaching that marriage is a covenant, not a contract. And marriage is about fulfilling God's mission, not finding your identity. And the mission meaning, uh, as we looked at this a couple weeks ago, procreation, partnership and mission, and proclamation of the gospel. Those are things that we looked at as it relates to the purpose and mission of marriage. And I'll tell you this, if, if you're unmarried here this morning, it's critical that you have this foundation coming into marriage. It's critical that not only you have that foundation, but the person, if marriage is in your future, the person God has you to marry understands this foundation too for marriage. They, you come into this understanding that marriage originated from the Creator, not culture, that it's um, one man, one woman, that it's covenant, not contract. It's about partnering and fulfilling God's mission, not finding your identity. Both of you bring that into marriage. And if you're building, if marriage is a structure of a house and you're bringing that in, there's high hope that your marriage is going to fulfill and achieve its intent that God has for it when you have those truths as, as their foundation for marriage. So then the next question is, what's this look like? The question we want to answer and ask this morning is this. A marriage functions best when a husband is doing what? So what's this look like in, in the relationship between a husband and a wife? What, what happens, what, what's a husband need to be doing in order for marriage to ac- accomplish what God intends it to accomplish? And that's what we want to look at this morning. And we're going to look at a teaching from the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians chapter 5. Very familiar, I'm sure, for many of us. So if you want to turn there with me, Ephesians chapter 5, specifically verses 15 through 33. That's what we're going to look at this morning. So Jesus is going to continue to teach us on holy matrimony. He's going to do it through his messenger, Paul. Now, as you're turning there, the book of Ephesians is a first century letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of Christians living in the city of Ephesus at the time. Ephesus was the sex-crazy kind of culture, temptations everywhere. Amidst this congregation at Ephesus were men, husbands, and so you had men, like men today in the church, battling with the sex-crazed culture in which we live in. And so they're in a battle for their purity. They're in a battle for their marriages. 
and so forth. And so Paul's writing specifically to a group of Christians. And at the latter part of his letter in Ephesians chapter 5, he addresses specifically the wives and the husbands. And that's where we want to kind of land this morning. Here's what I want to do. I want to read verses 15 through 33. And I'm going to read it, and I'm going to read it kind of slowly. And what I want you to be doing as I'm reading it, I want you to be looking and listening for what are the character qualities, the character traits that Paul lays out for us as it relates to a husband. So I'm going to read it, and as I'm reading it, you follow along and look and listen for what's a husband to do when it comes to marriage based upon what Paul is teaching us. That's what you're looking for. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Be very careful then, Paul writes, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So at your table, just take a couple minutes to discuss from Paul's writing here, verses 15 through 33, what character qualities, traits pop out to you as it relates to a husband? For marriage to function best, a husband is to do what? From that passage, seek to answer that question. Discuss those at your table. I mean, there's a lot here that we could unpack as it relates to um, the husband's role or the function of the husband in the marriage relationship. And the question we're asking and answering this morning is, for a, a marriage functions best, it, it fulfills God's intended purpose when a husband is doing what? And there's a lot here in this passage. I just want to kind of, as I observe this passage and, and look at what Paul's saying, there's three um, things that I see that Paul um, kind of bubbles up to the surface that he shares. And that's where I want to kind of camp on this morning for all of us. Um, a husband, a marriage functions best. And the first thing that I want us to look at is a marriage functions best when a husband is looking at Jesus when he's looking to Christ. And we see this, if you look at verse 23, and Autumn brought this out, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Now that phrase, just as Christ, just as Christ, you're going to see it over and over in this passage, and through the chapter 5 of, of Ephesians, and even chapter 4. 
But in chapter 5, verse 23, Paul writes, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. And then if you look at verse 25, he says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Then if you go down to verse 29, he says, After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. If you were to go at the very beginning of chapter 5 and look at verses 1 and 2, Paul writes, and he's speaking to everyone here, but he says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. If you were to go back to the end of chapter 4, verse 32, he says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So there's sense. And then if you look at verse 21 of chapter 5, he's speaking again to, to men and women in the church. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So what Paul's doing is saying, guys, we need to love. We need to lead. We need to, in the marriage, we need to be looking at Christ because how in the world are you going to be a husband like Christ without looking at Christ? You've got to be looking at Jesus in order to determine how to be a husband like Jesus. Just as Christ, just as Christ, just like Christ, he's saying. So the first thing that we need to understand is a marriage functions best when the husband, when the man is looking at Christ, when he's looking at Jesus. And in verse 18, Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. There's a sense of as you're looking at Christ, you're filled with the Spirit of Christ And it's the Spirit of Christ that produces in the husband the character of Christ he needs toward his wife. So if you want the character of Christ toward your wife, you need to be be filled with the Spirit of Christ. And being filled with the Spirit starts with looking at Christ consistently. That's where it begins. With looking at Jesus. Looking at Christ. And that's what he's telling us to do just as Christ loves the church, just as Christ gave himself for the church. Be filled with the Spirit, and that Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. When I worked for a company called Office Pride in sales, there, um, when I was starting, I'd never done anything like that before in my life, and it was primarily cold calling where you go door-to-door to businesses and all this stuff. And, I, and part of my training was to go to Indianapolis, Indiana, where our headquarters were, and train with the national director of sales. His name was Richard Sickles. And in conversations and training, Richard was the man when it came to sales for Office Pride. He was the man. And they were like, Mark, we want you to go shadow him for a day. We want you to sit down with him for a day. We want you to take in as much as you can from Richard because if you can sell like Richard, then you and we will be successful. So they could t- So what they did was they sent me to Indianapolis for a day to shadow Richard, and I got to watch him deal with customers and deal with walkthroughs and all these different things. And the whole point was I can't sell like Richard without first spending time with Richard. I've got to be with him. I've got to look at him. I've got to look at how he engages with the customers if I'm going to sell like Richard. And it's the same when it comes to being a husband. In order for us guys to, to love our wives as Christ loves the church, to, to be the head of our homes as Christ is the head of the church. It's going to come down to you and me looking at Jesus consistently and constantly. I remember this past summer, I was my, outside with my neighbor, and he had just built a fire pit and with bricks and all this stuff. And we'd always talked about wanting a fire pit in, in uh, this, our side yard. And so I got talking to him, and and uh, I was like, man, how'd you do this? He ha- it looked really nice, and he'd done some landscaping. I was like, how'd you do that? He's I just YouTubed it. 
I just, how many of you YouTube something? If you wanted to fix something, you've gone to YouTube, right? You go to YouTube. If you want to know how to fix a, something on a car, change your oil, put a fire pit together, today you can go to YouTube and you figure out how to do it. If you want to know how to be a husband where your marriage functions the way it's intended to function, you go to Jesus. You look at Jesus. You go to him and you look at him. I remember a time when um, a conversation Andrew and I were having at home and, and her comment to me was, you've been spending time in the word, haven't you? You've been spending time with the Lord. I'm like, yeah, why? She's like, I can tell. You're different when you spend time with Jesus. I don't know what that means, but I took it as a very positive thing. All right, and I just know from personal experience, when I'm not spending time with Jesus, I'm, I'm less patient, I'm less forgiving, I'm a pain to live with more than normal. All right, I mean, it's, it just is that way, and it starts with us looking at Christ, and that's what he's saying. He's saying, just as Christ, just as Christ. Listen, if you want to know how to be a husband, you go to Jesus, and you continually look at Christ and how he forgives you unconditionally. Therefore, we can forgive our wives unconditionally. You look at how patient he is with you, and therefore, you can be patient in, in your marriage relationship, and you look at Christ and all that he's given you and all that he does for you, how he treats you, and looking at Christ, and that flows through you as a husband as you treat your wife. Francis Chan said this in his book, uh, You and Me Forever, says, My love should remind Elisa, his wife, of Christ's love. The longer life goes on, the more she should feel like she's married to Jesus. I should be so selfless that it reminds her of the cross. And that's powerful. It's powerful. Now, I want you to discuss at your table, how do you do that? How do husbands look at Jesus? What are some things husbands can do to be looking at Christ more consistently and constantly. Just take a couple minutes to get practical here. What are some things maybe that you're doing personally that's been helpful for you look at Christ? Share some of those things at your table. Go for it. All right. I, I, there's a lot of practical things that we could spend the time on here, but at the core of being a husband where a marriage functions best, it comes down to husbands looking at Christ. Just as Christ, just as Christ, he says, just as Christ. Something else that we see here, another action that a husband needs to be taking for a marriage to accomplish what God intends it to accomplish is a husband needs to lead like Jesus. He needs to lead like Jesus. We see this in verse uh, 23 when he says, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And then in verse 24, he says, now as the church submits to Christ, so there's a sense of Christ is the leader, Christ is the authority, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And then in verse 29 and verse 30, he goes on and he says, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. So what Paul's doing is he's helping us understand that uh, a husband needs to be looking at Christ if he's going to uh, lead like Christ in his marriage, and he tells us you need to lead like Christ because Christ is the leader of the church. Christ is the head of the church. And when you think of headship, think leadership. Headship is about leadership. This isn't about equality. This is about function. For marriage to accomplish what God intends it to accomplish and for it to function best, it comes down to the man, to the husband, being the lead. He's to lead like Jesus. Um, if you go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22, Paul writes this. He says, And God placed all things under his feet, Jesus, and appointed him, Jesus, to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, 
the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So God the Father has appointed Christ in the organization of the church. The Father has appointed the Son to be the leader of the church. And in the organization of marriage, God has appointed the husband to be the leader of that relationship. Every organization needs a leader. And in the organization of marriage, God has appointed the husband to be that lead. He's to be that lead. Now, and there might be some situations where the husband is around, isn't around, whether it be a single mom situation or whatever. At this point, Christ, there, there's not a man there to be the lead. But ultimately, Christ is the lead. He's the lead. And you look to Christ as the leader. And he's the perfect leader. And you look to him ultimately. As, as I was thinking about this, I'm like, so what does a leader, a, a husband leading like Christ look like? And we can look at all kinds of different practices of, of leadership practices of Christ, but there was a specific passage that came to mind, and it was Philippians chapter 2, when I was thinking about and studying about the leadership of Christ. Philippians chapter 2, another familiar passage for some of us, verses 5 through 11. And In verses 9 through 11, what Paul does here in Philippians chapter 2 is he reveals for us Jesus' leadership position. He says, therefore, God has exalted Christ to the highest place. He's given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So verses 9 through 11, Paul tells us in Philippians, this is Jesus' leadership position. If you want to know how Jesus practices his leadership, you look at verses 5 through 8. If you want to know his character as a leader, look at verses 5 through 8. And there's a lot here, and I just want to focus on a few. It says, verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. When we look at the leadership practices of Christ, one of the character qualities we see of Christ here is that Christ was a humble leader. And that was something that was shared at the very beginning. One of the traits of an ideal husband is that he's humble. He's humble. All right? He's not abusing his position of leadership to get what he wants. We see that in verses 5 and 6. He's not being selfish with his position. In fact, he's, he's like Jesus, taking up the nature of a servant, grabbing the towel and washing the disciples' feet. He's a humble leader. And don't mistake um, humble leadership with weak leadership. They're not the same thing. Jesus was a very strong leader, but he was a very humble leader. And as I think about that, it, it, fellas, are we, are, are we holding grudges against our, our wives? Are we the first to say we're sorry? When you make a mistake, do you own it? Do you say you're sorry? Are you the first? You know, it, it's that battle where I'm not going to be the first one to say I'm sorry. And then you go throughout the day and you're all just, and you both know you're mad at each other. And you walk around, you're waiting for the other one to just own it. You know, if you made the mistake, own it. Say you're sorry. Humble leadership. He stands up and protects those he loves. We also see he is a servant leader, taking the very nature of, of a servant. He considered the needs of those around him above his own. He goes to the cross for crying out loud. You know, one thing that we can do, guys, is just ask our wives, how can I best serve you today? How can I help you through your day today? What's something I could do to come alongside you and help you today? He's a servant leader, and he's also a leader of action. 
Jesus didn't just say he loved the church. He proved it, and he went to the cross. Listen, your words will mean nothing to her unless they're backed up with action, unless you prove it to her. You can say you love her all you want, but if you're proving it to her and you're showing her that you love her in a way that she receives it, your words mean that will mean nothing. I was thinking it's kind of like a quarterback on a football team, if I can use the sports analogy, right? You need all 11 guys on the offense to accomplish the play. Every single person's important, every one of them. Offense comes to the line. Whose job is it to assess the enemy, the defense, all right? And then sometimes you have to call an audible as a quarterback, and it's your job as a quarterback to get everyone in position so that you can run the best play to defeat the enemy. And we have an enemy going against our marriages, and the Bible tells us it's Satan himself. And it's the job and the function of the man, the husband, to get everyone in position, to lead the family, and to get us in position to where we can conquer the enemy. There have been times in our marriage where I have said, listen, something's up, and we need to just pray right now. We need to pray. And there are times when I haven't done that, that I know I should have done that. And it's the responsibility of the husband to take that lead. And listen, guys, women want you to lead. They need us to lead. I was reading in a mag, uh, Forbes magazine on the ideal traits of a husband, and the ladies that they interviewed in that, inter- in that survey said, we want men who will lead. So this isn't just a Christian thing, okay? The, they need us to lead. They want leadership. They need leadership, and God has designed us to lead in the organization of marriage. It's the, relation, it's the responsibility of the husband to be the lead. And so when you think about leadership, you look at Christ because we're to lead like Christ. John MacArthur says this. He says, by God's design and by God's will, the man is the head of the household. He is the leader. He is the one responsible for the success of the marriage, the success of the family, the well-being of everyone involved. So, fellas, we need to ask, are you leading? Are you leading? Will you lead like Christ? And if not, then own it. And you need to maybe go to her today and you say, I'm sorry, help me lead. And we can sometimes say, I didn't, maybe you grew up in a home where you didn't see a dad lead like Jesus. Maybe he led the opposite of Jesus. But the beautiful, so you're like, I don't know how to lead like Jesus. It's okay. I don't know how to lead. And you're looking at your dad and you, he wasn't, Paul says, don't look at your dad as to know how to lead. Okay? If your dad didn't lead like Jesus, you don't need, he said, look at Jesus. Just as Jesus is the head of the church, lead. So you're looking at Christ. It all starts there. So you look at Christ. How does Christ lead the church? Therefore, okay, that's how he leads the church. Then that's how I'll lead in my marriage. So marriage functions best when a husband is looking at Christ, when he's leading like Christ. And the last one I want us to look at is a, a marriage functions best when a husband loves in view of Jesus, when he's loving in view of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 5, and again, you see it over and over, Paul talking about husbands loving their wives just as Christ has loved the church. See verse 20, uh, verse 25, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And then verse uh, 33, husbands uh, love your wives as you love yourselves. Verse 2, he says, live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. And literally means to hand yourself over. That involves sacrifice, unconditional sacrifice. And I love where it says, and Jesus gave us himself. Gave himself. The very first um, week of this series, Andrew and I kind of shared early on in our marriage, our first year of marriage, it was this whole be together kind of thing. Right? I'm watching TV hours on end, and she's sitting with me on the couch, and she's frustrated that we're not together, being together. And I'm like, what do you mean we're not being together? I'm, we're on the same couch. 
I'm watching TV. I don't know what you're doing, but we're here. We're literally physically together. That wasn't being together for her. She needed me. She needed me to invest me into her. And I love how Jesus says he gave himself to us. And I so struggle with that in a practical way. But I love that because he knows that the church, what the church needs more than anything is him. And fellas, what our wives need more than anything is us. They need us to invest our time to listen, to engage them, to connect with them. It means turning off the television, putting away the smartphone, whatever it means, and to listen and to engage. And this love, what's it look like? Well, Paul tells us, he says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. This, what this love involves, it involves moving her toward Jesus, moving her toward Christ, caring about her relationship with Jesus, Fellas, have you ever asked your wives, how's it, going, how's it going with you and Jesus lately? What's Jesus been saying to you lately? We, we need to care about our, our, our wives' relationships with Christ. It's maybe you and me, we're, maybe we're watching the kids so that she can go spend time and be encouraged spiritually with other ladies. Whatever it means. But what Paul tells us, Christ gave himself so that Christ could bring the bride to himself. And it's on us as the lead in view of Christ's love to care about our wise relationship with Christ, to move her toward Jesus. Jesus moved so that we could move toward him. And now we need to make moves in order to move our wives closer to Christ. So what's that look like? It might mean just simply today. You know what? Tell me, how are you and Jesus doing? What's going on? And just listen. Maybe pray together. What's Jesus been saying to you? Ask those questions to her. This kind of love also involves meeting her needs, and we see that in verses 28 through 30. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, making sure that her needs are met physically, emotionally, to, to feel secure um, and provided for. And this, I mean, I, I read this stuff, and, and like Autumn said, beginning, this seems like an impossible task. I mean, this, the bar is raised high. And it's, it is impossible apart from Christ. It's impossible apart from Christ. That's why he says you need to be filled with the Spirit of Christ, because you can't do this apart from the Spirit of Christ. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. Those are traits of a godly husband. So where does that come from? It comes from the Spirit of Christ in you. And if you're going to be filled with the Spirit of Christ, you need to be looking at Christ and getting to know Him. And you need to be loving her in view of the love that Christ has for you. Ephesians chapter 3, 17 and 18, John read it at the beginning. We're rooted in love. It's, it's a high love. It's a wide love. It's a deep love. It's a long love. And you need to get to know that love that Christ has for you. Romans 5 verse 5 says that Christ has lavished his love on us through the Holy Spirit. You possess the love right in you right now. If you're here in Christ, you have that love in you to love your wife the way Christ loves the church. You possess it through the Spirit of Christ in you. But we need to keep looking at Christ over and over. It's kind of like if I'm this sponge, this is Andrea, this is the love of Christ, okay? And we've kind of done similar illustrations. Man, I need to just be saturating myself in Jesus Christ, looking at Christ, his love, what he's done for me. He continually forgives me. He continually loves me. He's so gentle with me. And then out of that love that Christ has for me, 
I can love her. And it comes out. But there are times when I'm like, man, I just can't love anymore. I'm so mad. I'm t- go to, you go to Christ. You keep looking at Jesus. Look at how he loves you. Look at what he did for you. He went to the cross for you. Okay, all right, okay. And then out of that love, you love her. Out of the love of Christ that he has for you, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for us, we love our wives in view of Jesus. So I want to, at your table, I want you to, um, well, I, want, I want to read this quote because I think it's such a powerful quote. Your affection for wife can only go as deep as your affection for the person and work of Christ because marriage is a picture of how Christ has loved the church. If your heart has grown cold toward the cross, you can be sure it has grown cold toward your marriage. Thus, do everything possible to keep your heart soft toward Jesus. I'm going to ask the, the band to come. They're just going to play a little bit. But at your, at your tables, I want you to discuss this question. What would it look like if husbands loved their wives in view of the love of Christ? What would that look like? Discuss that at, at your table. What would it look like if husbands loved their wives in view of the love that Christ has for them? Discuss that at your table. Here's what I want you to do. I want um, you to grab a note card at your table. And I want you to write down these three words on one side of the note card. I want you to write down the words, look, lead, love. A marriage functions best the way God intends it to function when a husband is looking at Christ, he's looking at Jesus, he's leading like Jesus, and he's loving in view of Jesus. And whether you're married here or, or maybe you're unmarried, these are... S- These are so powerful truths that all of us need. And so on one side of the card, I want you to to write, look, lead, love. All right? On the flip side of that card, I want you to get practical. I want you to say, what's something that I can do today or the next week to put some of this into practice? Maybe you're here, and, and ladies, what's something that you can do to help your man look, lead, and love? Or maybe there's not a, a man in, in, the, in the home. What, what can you do to help your kids look at Jesus, begin to lead like Jesus and love in view of Jesus? What's something practical, tangible that you can do in the next week, next day or two to look at Jesus, lead like Jesus, love in view of Jesus? And I'll just say this, you can't do this apart from Jesus. Maybe you don't even know Christ this morning. Maybe you don't know Him. It begins with knowing Him, knowing Him as your Savior. It's the one who came to rescue you from your slavery of sin who went to the cross and took your punishment for your sin and proved that he conquered sin when he came back to life three days later. And so it's through him and his spirit in you, through faith in him, that empowers you to look, lead, and love. Look, lead, and love. What's something you can do this week, tangibly, to put that into practice? So you think about that, write that out. Just maybe stand and we'll sing this song together.